You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the news that came out of nowhere. Callum Chambers has left the club and signed for Aston Villa. Matt Turner, however, is an incoming. However, he will not sign or not join up with the Arsenal, at least until the end of the season. So one in, one out. Uh, we'll be talking about both of those deals on this edition, but we'll be focusing on the Callum Chambers thing and what it means for the squad. Have we spread ourselves too thin now? Have we taken a huge gamble and a huge risk with regards to leaving the squad a little bit light in certain areas? Or is this simply what needed to happen? We're going to get into all of that on this edition of the podcast. If you are watching us live via YouTube, please do hit that like button. It really, really does help. Subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. Uh, remember, we set a goal at the start of the season to get to 20K here on YouTube by the end of this campaign. And I'd be so grateful if you could help me get there. I'd be chuffed if I got there because i, I got to be honest, when I first started this thing, I was happy with 50 views on a video. Uh, so things have really obviously picked up. And I have all of you guys to thank for that. But let's get to that next step. It would honestly mean the world to me. OK, let's say a few hellos in the live chat. Uh, lots of the usual suspects there. Hope you're all good. Um, apologies uh, for the slight delay in going live. Uh, what, who was it that said I need a, a cup of tea? Oh, I should have bought a cup of tea. Well, I should have, and I didn't, and now I regret it because I'm freezing. But anyway, uh, let's get into it. A uh, big hello to Halo, to Tariq, to Russ, to Junior Gunner, to Aaron, uh, to Christoph, uh, to Martin, to Anthony, um, to Rory, uh, and to everybody else in the live chat, to Perez. Apologies if I missed somebody out. Christian, um, it's just the chat is moving so bloody fast. Here we go. Let's kick off uh, with the news regarding Callum Chambers. What on earth happened there? <laughs> it was a transfer that came completely out of the blue. Callum Chambers has joined Aston Villa on a three and a half year contract in an undisclosed uh, deal worth an undisclosed fee. What does that mean? That means that we don't exactly know. But there have been some uh, different reports with regards to what that deal might be worth, uh, what that deal might mean to Arsenal in terms of money coming in. And according uh, to some of the bits and pieces I've read, it looks as though the value of allowing Callum Chambers to go now rather than at the end of the season when his contract would have expired is around about £2 million. That's what Arsenal stand uh, to receive and gain in terms of add-ons and with regards to whatever small fee would have been paid to release him from the contract that he's currently in. Now, look, on the surface of it, I think this was the right move to, to make. I think that a lot of people on social media have, have voiced their concerns over the last sort of 24 hours about the the way this leaves the squad a little bit exposed. The fact that uh, we do now only have three senior central defenders, that we do now only have Cedric Suarez as cover to, to Takahiro Tomiyasu. Uh, people have referenced 
Chambers is, uh, what's the word, versatility and, and the fact that that was a, a big thing and something important within the squad. But I would say this to people, OK, and, and to those of you who, who constantly reference his versatility, how many times has he played in the centre of midfield for Arsenal? How many times has he sat in front of the back four as a DM? It doesn't happen. You know, it's one of those things that is a little bit of a myth. He went out on loan to Fulham. He did that a little bit for them and people kind of got carried away. But there's never been that trust at Arsenal that kind of says, yeah, Callum Chambers would be a good option in the defensive midfield position. And even when we've been on our knees in terms of midfielder availability, they've still never, ever tasked Callum Chambers. Well, I can't remember, not in recent times, not under Mikel Arteta anyway, with playing in that position. So the, 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 the versatility thing is a thing, but I think we have to be uh, quite, you know, realistic about it. And we have to understand that in Mikel Arteta's eyes, Callum Chambers was a right back who could at times play centre back. But that was it. You know, and, and, and that's the that, that's the truth of the matter. So he's gone to Aston Villa. Look, I think it's a good move for him. I don't know if he'll walk into Aston Villa's side. It depends what Aston Villa have brought him in as. I think they'll look at the fact that he can play right back and centre back as well. Um, I'm not expecting him to go into Steven Gerrard's midfield. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm not expecting that to happen. You know, at Aston Villa, Matty Cash is the right back at the moment. So what happens? Does he slot in as the second choice right back as opposed to potentially or maybe being the third choice right back at Arsenal? Because let's be honest, I know a lot of Arsenal fans would have preferred to see Callum Chambers deputised for Takahiro Tomiyasu when he's unavailable. It looks as though Mikel Arteta has kind of has, has made the point that... Um, you know, that in his eyes, Cedric is the the second uh, in line for that position. Martin AFC says Cash is leaving Harry. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, interesting. Where is he off to? Out of curiosity, let me know in the chat box. But whatever, I, I'm i not sure that, you know, I think that Callum Chambers will get more football by going to Aston Villa. Absolutely. And I think it was as good a move as he could have hoped for, given that he was out of contract in the summer. Obviously, the opportunities come along for that to happen now rather than um, in the summer. And he's obviously wanted to take that opportunity. Arsenal have felt that it's wise, um, you know, in order to, uh, you know, it, Arsenal felt that it's wise to bring something in for him as opposed to getting nothing in the summer. But as I mentioned, that does leave us thin and it does weaken the squad again. But what I would say is, if you want to rebuild, if you are really, you know, obsessed and, and convinced that the way forward for Arsenal is to almost rip out the heart and soul of that, the end of the Wenger era combined with the debacle that was Unai Emery's tenure, then this needs to happen. We need to strip it right back. And obviously, the club have indicated to Mikel Arteta and Edu maybe that this needs to happen, that the wage bill needs to be significantly reduced, that we need to get a lot of this deadwood out before we can proceed to the next stage of the rebuild, which will then be to go and have another major recruitment drive. Okay, The first summer in which Mikel Arteta had charge, we brought in a few players. Some of them didn't work out. Um, you know, the Gabriel signing was a very, very good one. And we managed to get Thomas Partey in the door. Last summer, we managed to get 
a number of players in. Why? Because we'd managed in that period, in that interim, to move on more players. And now we're at a place where we need to do it again. And a lot of Arsenal fans are, are, are outraged by this and disappointed and frustrated and are saying, well, we've left ourselves too thin. Why do we need to move all these players out to bring players in? Almost forgetting that this is a club that operates a self-sustaining model. Now, I don't like it. You don't like it. We'd all like to see our owners put their hands in their pockets, which we know to be very, very deep, and go out there and invest the kind of money that is going to see Arsenal leapfrog so many of the sides around them and compete at the very top again. That's what we want to see. But we know and we knew that that was never going to be the case. Just because we spent a bit of money in the summer, it doesn't mean that the operating model of the club as a whole has changed. And in fact, there's been nothing um, to suggest that you know, that that was going to be the case. So we need to be mindful of of what's going on behind the scenes. And if you are frustrated at the fact that Arsenal need to move um, players on in order to bring in new ones, then you need to direct that frustration, not at Mikel Arteta, but at the club's hierarchy, because they are the ones who will be setting these parameters. Mikel Arteta doesn't want to go into the remainder of the season with a weakened squad. He doesn't want to be paper thin. He doesn't want to run the risk of having major injuries. But if he feels that this is the only way that he can take this team forward, i.e. bring in new players to continue the progression, then he's decided that he needs to take that gamble. He's decided that that gamble is worthwhile taking because of the benefit we could stand to gain from it. Now, it is a huge gamble. You know, it's a massive gamble because we are a couple of injuries away from having serious, serious problems. But I think he's shown balls of steel in taking this decision. I think that what Arsenal so desperately needed was somebody strong, somebody who would come in, who would maybe upset the apple cart in the process of delivering what it is that is necessary, um, but that wasn't afraid to take big calls and big decisions. And I think when Mikel Arteta came in, a lot of people were worried and fearful of the fact that he's largely inexperienced, that he's a bit, in some people's eyes, of a yes man, and that we would um, just plod along the way we were going. But we've seen drastic reform under Mikel Arteta in so many ways. We've seen players whose attitudes have not been up to scratch bombed out of the door. I'm not saying that's the case with Callum Chambers. He's a, um, you know, he's a, a brilliant professional, always has been. Uh, and I thank Callum Chambers for his service to the club because he always gave everything um, and obviously deserves to play football more regularly. So I'm pleased for Callum Chambers that he's got his move. But as I tweeted last night, and obviously on Twitter, you, you know, you, you tend to piss people off with the smallest thing. I said, if you think about the players that have left the club during this window, Maitland-Niles, Sayer Kolasinac, Pablo Marie, and now Callum Chambers, how many of them were even close to being in our best 11? I would argue none of them. None of them, not a single one. Maitland-Niles as a centre midfielder was not even in my top three at the club at the moment. In no particular order, he's below Xhaka, Partey and Lekonga for me in that pecking order. And he knows that. That's why he wanted to leave. Sarah Kalasinac, dead wood that we've been trying to get rid of for a while. Pablo Marie, not quite up to the standard required. You know, ideally you'd have kept hold of him, but just for numbers and for backup. But with William Saliba coming in, it back or coming back in the summer, he's going to fall even further down the pecking order. So 
this is the point, right? And, and Callum Chambers, in Mikel Arteta's eyes at least, was the third choice right back. So this is the point I'm trying to make. It's I, I don't understand the outrage and, and why some people have been so upset by the fact that we've allowed these players to move out. It's clearly a necessity. It's clearly what Arsenal do, need to do to move to the next stages. I keep saying no manager wants to have a paper-thin squad. No manager wants selection headaches. No manager wants to have to shuffle positions around to accommodate absences because he doesn't have enough natural cover. But if Mikel feels that this is the only way uh, to move forward, then, you know, I, I back him on this. And I, I get, again, look, I get the concern. I understand why people are worried about how thin this leaves us. But we were always going to have to go through a period where the squad was going to be stripped right back. And I would argue that this time, more than any other time, is the best time to do it because we're not in Europe. We're not in any of the cup competitions. We literally, barring a couple of anomalies where games will be put back in that have been postponed, we will literally be playing one game a week. And you've got three centre-backs. I suppose Kieran Tierney could tuck in as one if you really needed him to. And Nuno Tavares could come in at left-back. You've got two right-backs in Cedric and Tomiyasu. You've got four central midfield options once Mohamed Elneny returns. You've got two creative midfielders in Smith-Rowe and Odegaard. You've got Martinelli and Pepe and Saka as wingers. You've got Lacazette, you've got Enketia. Look, not all of those players, in a lot of people's eyes, are up to the standard. I, well, I say that when I'm talking about Eddie Enketia. But the point I'm trying to make is that you know, while there is a risk that this blows up in our face, I think it's something that needs to happen. And we just have to hope that it doesn't blow up in our face. But for me, this is not something that a manager would um, would advocate. This is not something that a manager would campaign for in meetings with his superiors. This is something clearly that the manager has been told needs to happen in order for Arsenal to progress to the next phase of this rebuild. And maybe it won't work. Maybe it will blow up in our faces, but we don't know that yet. So just curb those reactions is the point I'm trying to make. Right. If you're listening on the audio platforms, we are going to take a short pause uh, for a message uh, from our sponsor. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna part two. Um, let's continue to react to the news that Callum Chambers is leaving the club. But also let's talk about a positive and that positive that is that Matt Turner uh, from New England Revolution is joining the club at the end of the season. Now, I don't know an awful lot about Matt Turner. I read some really positive articles about him over the last sort of 48 hours. Also um, heard some people question whether he's good enough in terms of in terms of his distribution of the ball and if that's going to be a problem uh, for Arsenal moving forward. So I do want to get somebody on in the next few days that can give us a little bit more insight. Maybe we'll do uh, some kind of uh, special on um, on Matt Turner and what he might bring to the table. But that's obviously um, laying the land for when, of course, uh, Bern Leno leaves the club. I don't think that that will be in this window. You know, there's just a few days left and there's Nothing really happening. But then again, we didn't know Callum Chambers was happening. So I won't rule it out. I would just say that, um, you know, I think that this move has been made. And the reason maybe Arsenal were quite happy to allow Matt Turner to remain with his club until the end of the season is probably because they expect Bern Leno to move on in the summer. So um, that's that. Uh, again, don't know a great deal about him, but we will get a special recorded and done on that. Um, 
let's uh, let's go and refer to the poll uh, that I popped in the live chat just before we started with regards uh, to the Callum Chambers thing. Uh, and then, of course, we'll take some of your questions for the remainder of the show. Don't forget, uh, we probably will be back a little bit later on with another stream. In fact, we will be back at 5 p.m. with another stream. We'll be reacting to some more Arsenal transfer news reports, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I've been getting a lot of stick in the chat over the last few days. People saying like, you know, your sources are wrong. These are not my sources. I'm, I'm not claiming uh, at all uh, that this is my information. I'm just simply reacting to it and sharing my opinions on uh, news and rumours doing the rounds at the moment. So let's just quickly go back to that poll. Now, I asked the question, were Arsenal right to move Callum Chambers on during this window? And an overwhelming 68% of you say yes, Arsenal were correct to move him on during this transfer window. 32% of you say no. Get your questions in the chat box. Let's um, let's pick some of those up. Some of you are referring to uh, a David Ornstein tweet, uh, which I haven't actually seen, but let me, um, while we're live on air, let me jump over uh, and have a look at that. It must have come out while we was on. Uh, here we go. David Ornstein, uh, the Ornacle. Uh, let me just share my screen for those of you that are watching us uh, on YouTube. Don't worry, I will read it out to our audio listeners. The tweet says as follows. Here we go. Uh, Barcelona and Juventus have both made official approaches to sign a Bamiang on loan until the summer. Unclear what Arsenal will do. Talks are ongoing with both clubs. If AFC grant exit, destination likely to be influenced by Alvaro Morata. Um, Let's see what we got here. Uh, Savrine says, uh, Harry, do you see an Oba Morata switch? Do you know what? With Alvaro Morata, he's a striker that I think struggles under pressure. When he's the main man somewhere, it, it doesn't always work out. It's like the pressure gets to him and he, he fails to perform at his absolute maximum. I think what you get out of Alvaro Morata is you get a physical presence. You get a very willing runner. You get a very... Um, good centre forward in terms of his all-round play. Sometimes, and I know he scores a lot of goals, but sometimes he's finishing, he's not quite as lethal as it could be. But I think he would be a good addition. I think he would give Mikel Arteta the work rate that he wants and the link-up uh, play that he um, so clearly places a lot of value on as well. So I wouldn't be dead against this. I think Morata could be a good short-term solution. Had some time in the Premier League before, obviously. Um, didn't really have a major impact, like didn't really pull up trees, but I thought was a decent and good enough centre forward and certainly gives us another option. So I wouldn't be against that. If Arsenal could broker some sort of deal that sees Alvaro Morata come the other way, I would take that. I think that's about as good an option as you can hope for and expect um, in this period. And obviously with Dusan Vlavic uh, closing in on his move to Juventus, that means that Morata might find himself out of the side, might find himself needing a move away or wanting a move away. Interestingly, though, going back to that point I made at the start about Morata, where I, I said that I actually think when he's not the main man and the pressure's not on him, he actually thrives, i.e. I thought he was very good when Cristiano Ronaldo was the main man at Juve. Um, now I think he, he would actually probably benefit from Vlavic coming in. But the question is, do the, the does Allegri... Uh, have room in the side for both of them. Will Allegri want to see both of them or want to have both of them out on the field at the same time? So 
potentially Alvaro Morata could be on the move. Um, and, and I think Arsenal would be wise if possible. And if they do agree to allow Bamiang to leave to get uh, some kind of... Um, or to at least feel the ground out uh, with regards to the potential of Morata coming the other way. Right, let's see what else we've got. Um, John Daly says, do you feel Leno will leave this window? If so, why would we loan to someone like Newcastle when they have tons of money? Yeah, look, I, personally, I don't expect Bern Leno to leave during this window, but never say never, right? Um, this is Arsenal, and it is clear that there is a mass exodus uh, underway. So I'm not going to say it, it won't happen, um, but I think it's unlikely to happen. I think it's more likely that Arsenal hold on to Bern Leno with a view to him leaving in the summer. But John, I think you're absolutely spot on. There is no reason for Arsenal to grant Newcastle United a loan deal. And as you've seen, um, you know, people have obviously cottoned on to the fact that Newcastle are, are so wealthy and people are clearly taking that into consideration uh, when, of course, uh, negotiating with them. I think I heard yesterday that Jesse Lingard, who Newcastle are trying to pinch from Manchester United on loan um, until the end of the season, are asking for this ridiculous uh, clause to be inserted, whereby if Newcastle United uh, stay in the Premier League, they'd have to pay Manchester United a quite substantial fee of around about £9 million, I think I read, which is mad. So people obviously realise that Newcastle are in the position that they're in. And I agree with you, we shouldn't be uh, giving them a player on loan. They're desperate. They've got the coffers to back it up. So make them pay. And and if the money is good, then I can understand why Arsenal might go, yeah, um, let's do this now. But again, it leaves us thin. Again, it's a huge risk. Again, it, it, it's a risk that could pay off if Aaron Ramsdale stays fit and we don't have any problems. But it is a risk that could blow up in our faces as well. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Kev says, what do you think of Dembele from Leon? He was allowed to go on loan to Atletico last January. Could we get him maybe? So I've got to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Dembele uh, since he went to Leon. I saw quite a bit of him during his time at Celtic and I thought he looked a really interesting prospect. But of course, um, you know, that's the, the Scottish Premiership. And with all due respect, it's not the same standard as the Premier League or some of Europeans. Uh, competition's biggest league. So um, interesting that he was allowed to go out on loan. I think that's probably due to uh, the financial aspect of things more than anything else. But he's not, again, not a bad option. Not a bad option indeed. Um, Pat Moyles asks, has there been any leaks regarding the meeting between Arteta and the Cronkies? Not that I know of. Um, not that I've come across anyway. Um, there were some stories doing the rounds at the time that meeting was discovered where people were saying uh, he's gone over there to cross the I's and uh, cross, dot the I's and cross the T's on his new contract. And there are others who are saying that he went out there to plead for more transfer funds and that actually, although KSE were expecting him to come out um, and, and deal with his contract, he very quickly shifted the narrative and to their surprise was was saying, leave it. You know, the contract can wait, but there's more important matters at hand. But again, I haven't had any of those two things confirmed. These are just reports I've been reading. Uh, so just uh, take that with a pinch of salt. Uh, Stilton Avenger, how you doing, mate? He says, uh, lots of groundwork going on to prepare our squad for improvements. What three strikers would you like to replace Eddie, Oba and Laka next year? Wow. Um, yeah, I think there are there, there is lots of groundwork going on to prepare our squad. I think you've got that absolutely spot on. And I think the the fear of being left short is what's maybe 
blinding some people to that fact or or the fact that people maybe have forgotten that this is the way Arsenal Football Club operate, that this is the model which the Cronkies have chosen to to stick with, um, you know, and, and ultimately there was always going to have to be another clear out to bring in players. And when you think about some of the wages that some of these players that we've moved out uh, were on, um, then obviously you can understand why Arsenal need to do it. Um, yeah, look, lots of groundwork going on. Agreed. What three strikers would you like to replace Eddie? Oh, it's so tough to come up with three names because at the moment I'm I'm just really concerned about us getting one in. Obviously, Lacazette um, for the time being is okay. I think that we need to look at the long term, you know, and I'd rather we go and buy one top striker than go and skimp and bring in two um, average ones. I like Alexander Isak. I like Jonathan David. Don't know if both of them will be attainable, uh, but that would be a couple of names I'd throw at you, certainly. Um, I, I liked Vlavic. I wanted Vlavic, but obviously that wasn't to be. Uh, <laughs> Jan Transfer Gossip. Are we getting Clive on the pod? We are. Uh, we are. I messaged Clive this morning because I saw a couple of you asking for it on Twitter. Um, but we're going to arrange it for some time next week. Um, obviously, Clive's super busy and, and I, I've got work commitments as well, unfortunately. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to have to um, we're going to have to get that in a diary. But how can I put this in a transfer report kind of way? Um, negotiations are ongoing between the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and Clive over a potential agreement that will see him appear on the show. Um, Clive's brilliant. Love his work. Um, I think he's got this wonderful way of kind of articulating brilliant points that points that maybe, you know, including myself, we don't think of um, sort of on a day to day basis. So really looking forward. I've never had Clive on the pod, so really looking forward uh, to getting him on. Uh, for those of you wondering who Clive is, it's Clive from, well, you all know who he is, but it's Clive uh, from the Arsenal Vision podcast. If you're uh, trying to differentiate between a bunch of Clives. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, let's see. Um, here we go. Christoph says, is the club primarily still looking mostly long-term? Top four may be ahead of schedule in a sense, a surprise even. Dusan effort aside, perhaps the club will do nothing flashy until then. Yeah, I, I don't, as I keep saying, Christoph, and I've, I've said it throughout the window, I don't think that in the club's eyes, top four was was what they were going to achieve this season. If they get it, bonus, great. Um, but if they don't, I don't think there will be panic behind the scenes. There might be panic uh, among the fans. In fact, there will be, uh, because we know um, that a lot of people feel a certain type of way about Arsenal this season. But in my opinion, behind the scenes, if Arsenal make the top six, there won't be any panic. And they'll feel that that is enough to continue pushing forward with their current strategy. People might disagree, but I, I'm just talking about what I think the club's mindset is on this. And uh, and that's what I believe it to be. So, um, yeah, I think the idea, I think Christoph was always to go big in the summer. And as I keep saying, I've said throughout this transfer window, events uh, around the Bamiyang and, and obviously issues that we've had have, have almost led to the club, almost kind of needing to accelerate in some of those departments. But equally, just because they probably feel they could do with accelerating those plans and getting the the deal's done earlier, it doesn't mean that they're going to go against what they've done in the last year or so and start bringing in players who aren't fit for purpose. 
Martin AFC says, Harry, what do you make of the Artur deal collapse? Do you believe, like me, that the owners decline this as they don't want to invest more money? Or was this Arteta and Edu? Well, it was interesting because we touched on this with Art De Roche of The Athletic yesterday. Um, and one of the things that we discussed was what exactly had gone on here. Because according to David Ornstein, actually... Edu had agreed to um, to to take the player on an 18-month loan deal, but it seems that the club's hierarchy weren't too keen on that. Now, it wasn't clear who exactly they were referring to in that report, but I think that what the issue is here is not that they don't rate Arthur. You know, they wouldn't have been in discussions with him in the first place or discussions over him in the first place if they didn't feel he could add some value. I think what the club are wary of doing is taking on a significant chunk, if not all of his wages, which are pretty high at Juventus, um, for an 18-month period, and then that hindering them in doing something else that they see as a more long-term solution. Remember, Arsenal didn't want to sign Artur on an 18-month deal. Arsenal were looking at this very much as a short-term fix. Um, uh, You know, I'll say it again, I think that the need for a midfielder has decreased because for what I see we've got through the worst bit of it uh, already. It can't get any worse. Xhaka returns, Partey returns, Elneny uh, will be back from the AFCON. Lakonga's uh, had a couple of games recently as well. So I think the midfield need has slightly decreased, not because I don't think we need another body there. I do, but the urgency of it, I, I think, was at its peak back at the beginning of the month. And now we're approaching the end of the month. We still ain't done it. So don't go and make the wrong decision. And as I say, I think the the idea of committing to his him and a big salary um, for you know eighteen months is is probably what's put them off. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Mikhail uh, Vigal Vilgolevsky. Mikhail Vilgolevsky. Sorry, I've said that wrong, man. I, I really uh, am trying. Um, Mikhail Vilgolevsky. I think I got it. Let me know if it's right or wrong. Give me a thumbs up in the chat. Thank you for your brilliant question. He says, would you consider Andre Silva from RB Leipzig as a striker option for us? He scored 26 goals in the Bundesliga back when he was still playing for Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, he's a player that we've um, we've um, we've been linked with before. Uh, he's a player that I've had a, a brief look at before. But... He's not a player I know an awful lot about. Obviously, his goal-scoring record speaks for itself. So, um, yeah, I'd consider it. But again, it's all about availability. And with such little time remaining in this window, it's going to be difficult for Arsenal to persuade a lot of these clubs to part ways uh, with some of their most important players with very little time to bring people in and perhaps in a lot of cases, no funds to replace them. Um Sports Genius says, Harry, I'm late. Do you think we'll get Ruben Neves? I don't. Um, I'd like us to get him. I think he'd be a really good signing. It was a signing um, that I I was quite positive about the prospect of, um, you know, uh, last summer. But it didn't happen, obviously. Granite Xhaka stayed and, uh, and, and Neves never came. But again, you know, Wolves are going well. I think it's going to be difficult to persuade them to part ways 
it's going to take a monumental effort. It's going to take the player probably having to force his way out as well in what remains of the window. But just because there's so little time left, there's a chance that that could fail as well. And he leaves himself in limbo, which I'm sure he won't want to take the risk of doing. Uh, Tariq says, new wire for the mic is already in the post. It actually is. It should be arriving today. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, Amazon. Amazon Prime. Love it. Gotta love it. Um, what else have we got? I'm going to take one more uh, question. Uh, before we leave you, but we will be back uh, later on today. So uh, do not fear, there's plenty more uh, to discuss. Uh, we'll be talking at length about the Aubameyang um, offers that are currently on the table, according to David Ornstein from Barcelona and Juventus, as well as doing a bit more Q&A and uh, hopefully um, covering something else that might crop up between now and then, if it does, hopefully. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else we've got? Let's take one more. Uh, Jid says, uh, do you think certain fans are intentionally conflating Arsenal's target finishing in the European places and our ambition of finishing in the top four as a ploy to get fans against Arteta if we finish, say, fifth? Yeah, um, I don't think it's a ploy to turn fans against Arteta. I think the people that do that, um, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, certainly some of the people I know that do that are doing it because they've always been so adamant that Mikel Arteta isn't the right man, that they almost want to create a scenario in which it's impossible for him to come out on top so that they can say, I told you so. I'm not saying that everybody's like that. I'm not saying everybody's views that, but there's a lot of people that work in the kind of media industry, do podcasts, do YouTubes, do whatever. Um, anything where they put their platforms out in the open, where they, they're seeking to gain credibility by shooting down Mikel Arteta and by setting expectations that were never really realistic in the hope that he fails to meet them so that they can say, I told you so. And then gain credibility off the back of that um you know it's it's a difficult thing um you know it's it's really difficult because when, when your opinion differs to somebody else's you will get stick for it um and i always think that it, it's okay to disagree with someone as long as you do it respectfully if you're going to come to me and tell me uh, that Mikel arteta is is not the right man i want to know why I want to know your reasoning for it. I want to know um, what you think another manager would do better. I want to know what you think it is exactly, specifically, that is going wrong. But most of the people you talk to who are that extreme in their view will never give you that because they don't really know themselves. I hear people in... Um, in conversations I have, and I see people in the chat box sometimes throwing comments at me that ain't their own, throwing comments at me, taglines, um, you know, or catchphrases that they've heard from other people uh, who do what I do and, and throwing them at me, which suggests to me that that's not your view, is it? Like, you might agree with it, but I want to hear your view. Come to me with your point. Tell me why you think that is true or not true rather than just pulling on someone's tagline or or catchphrase that they've been spinning around on social media. So this is um th th this is my view Look, and I remember and I know why a lot of them are, are feeling that they need to do that. You know, I remember when Unai Emery was in charge of the club. I was 
quite sure um, about a year in that I wasn't big on Unai Emery and I didn't think that that was going to work. Um, I expressed some concerns and some reasons as to why I felt the job he did in the first year wasn't as good as some people were making it out to be. And that was my opinion. That was my view. Got absolutely slaughtered for it. I stuck with my guns. Um, and the reason I stuck with my guns was because it was what I genuinely believed. I wasn't doing it for uh, clicks. I wasn't doing it for effect. I wasn't doing it to force my way into certain places to get my voice heard. I was doing it because it's what I genuinely believed and felt. And those of you who were with me at that point, who would have listened to the show, who would have watched the podcast, will know um, that that it was it was genuine and it was coming from the right place. And again, I'm not even saying that everybody who's anti Mikel Arteta is doing it with a bad intention or is doing it with the uh, you know with the idea of, of getting exposure. But there are a lot that are. And, and let's be honest about that. And and some of you are putting names in the chat that no, that a lot of those guys are my friends. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to sit here and slag off people because that's not fair. Um, but I do think there are some people out there that are doing it for effect. And, you know, it, it could go one or two ways. You know, if, if this Mikel Arteta thing completely flops, falls flat on its face, then they will come out in a lot of people's eyes with a lot of credibility. If it doesn't, uh, they won't. And and just like me, you know, I will probably get a lot of criticism if this project does go wrong. Um, but, you know, that's that's the risk you run when you put your opinions out there. And people who are mature enough to respect an opposing opinion will not think that if it does go wrong that, you know, I'm an idiot. They'll understand my reasoning for thinking the way I was thinking. They'll understand the reasons for me putting the points across that I did. And that's what maturity is, right? Being able to understand. Uh, people talk a lot about um, inclusion these days. That's what inclusion is. That's what um, being open-minded is. It's to listen to other opinions and understand where they might be coming from, even if you don't always agree with them. And unfortunately, nowadays, um, <laughs> it, there's very little of that um, at a time where supposedly it's it's at the best stage it's ever been yeah anyway we're gonna leave it there um over 300 of you with us live right now where are we on the likes we're on 87 let's try and get that uh over the 100 mark by the time the outro plays i'd really really appreciate it please do while you're at it subscribe to the channel and i'll be back today at 5 p.m uk time that's 5 p.m uk time another Live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. We'll be talking about the Aubameyang links to Barcelona and Juventus, uh, what that could potentially mean for Alvaro Morata's future, whether Arsenal should be looking to cash in on that. I'll bring a few facts and stats to the table uh, following on from what I said during this show. Uh, but looking forward to it. Uh, very, very much. So come join me 5pm. The podcast will be available on all major podcasters from shortly afterwards. Until next time, take care of yourselves. All the best. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.